0: The union of opposites on a higher level of consciousness is not a rational thing, nor is it a matter of will. It is a process of the psychic development that expresses itself in symbols. <laughs>
1: introduction is ah. (laughs) no like i'm drinking some delicious orange juice and i'm trying not to be too phlegmy but okay edit edit that part out for sure Mm.
2: one two three clear your throat everybody
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think we're going to keep this part in the end Mm.
1: So, um, put put on the blooper reel that like that's what i do sometimes Take, it up, take the the introductory bloopers and move them to the back, and be like, hey, "Yeah." Guys, <laughs> and if you want to know how it really started, listen to this. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat>
0: uh, okay, fine. I just start the introduction. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Biller, Biller Show again.
1: <laughs> is, that, is that is that what we're going for? Like officially, I was trying to think of something like far out archetype or something. <laughs> so sounds,
0: we are. Yeah. We're going to have a very interesting conversation today, so I have, of course, Isaac Miller from The Daily Archetype, and we have April Newman from the Far Out Wisdom podcast as well joining us today. Hola, April. Hello. (laughs) How are you feeling today, April? I'm good. I'm pretty good. I've got
2: got my drink too. I have this big thermos of tea with ginger and turmeric and lemon and um, all kinds of ridiculously healthy stuff, so I feel good. I'm drinking this.
1: Oh, you yep. were, were you feeling ill before?
2: Uh,
0: a little bit earlier in the week.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, a little bit. I think that's that's pretty common during the fall and the winter yeah, season. Change yeah. of weather. I mean, yeah.
1: It's the we're orange not... man's fault.
0: <laughs> 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 it's it's <laughs> the election.
2: Trump. What's that? You know, Trump was saying, uh, I, "I oh, you know what?" Trump just tweeted that. Um turmeric is good so i have to stop drinking this right now
1: oh yeah yeah Throw, <laughs> flush it down the toilet immediately yes. it's going to destroy That's you
3: terrible oh
0: this is just wrong
1: Ugh.
0: yeah i think That's it's disgusting. like with with our health here in the united states of america is the fact that we consume so much fast food that you know everybody it's it's their health is not their best it, you, it's like with me personally like i've been getting a lot of like phlegm um, coughing. Well, at the same time, you know, I live in Fresno, so uh, us, we are known for our pollution. You know, oh, it's, I, I, thought,
1: I, I thought you were going to say meth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our pollution and our meth. That. <laughs> so our pollution and our meth is in the air and so I'm I'm coughing a lot myself and with the California fire, it's, I don't mm. think it's going anymore, but it's the you know, in the air. So Isaac is in Seattle, so I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. it's uh, you can just taste the cold Taste <laughs> the air it's like mm, clean fresh <laughs> crispy air
1: <laughs> yeah like you drink the air here
0: i think if you can taste the
2: air though that's your first problem i don't think the air should have mm. a flavor if your air has- well
1: if it if it tastes like water then it's okay
2: you may need to you know rethink where you're living or do some mm. air filtration if well d-
1: it depends on the taste <laughs> if it tastes like fresh refreshing water then it's probably okay yeah. But but walking- if it tastes like what it tastes like uh like. meth and oh, <laughs> all those <laughs> other things in Fresno, <laughs> then yeah, uh, there's a reason Boone's on our way out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be out of here pretty soon. So but <clears throat> anyways, the topic for today that we're gonna be talking about is the yin and the yang. Mm. Okay. I think what is it that you said, Isaac, you you, you did send to me through direct messenger. Mm what you, we're what we're going to be talking about today and um mm. I have never been the type of person who prepare at the last m- moment but I did this morning. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> Doesn't
1: it feel great? That's, that's how I live my life.
0: <laughs> well, when you prepare everything at the last moment, it's in your brain fresh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so- I'm the queen of doing that. Mm-hmm. All
1: good. I'm, like, I'm glad I'm not the no, the weirdo no, here.
2: Okay, let me look at the script for two seconds. I'm going on stage. All right, all right. I'm good. I got. it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a. It's like a drug. It's addicting.
2: Yeah, it is. It's like the an adrenaline rush. Per-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and to s- sway into the topic with with that, even uh, what that is, it's a um, the reason that procrastination like that can be so addicting it 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 really is like a yin yang stored up energy Mm -hmm. uh, because what happens is you have something to do anything uh prepare for a podcast um prepare to go on stage uh whatever it could be anything you you have this thing to do uh do the dishes even and then um you're like you put it off you put it off you put it off and then leading up to doing that, anything that you consciously are aware that you should do at some point, uh, because you're putting it off, it's, it's always like a on-off, yes, no kind of thing going on in your brain, like, do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it. And then as you do, it's it's just like a, um, the, the metaphor that comes to mind is, I don't think kids use them anymore because they're dangerous, but... Uh, like like the merry-go-round that you would jump on, like <laughs> as kids, you know, uh, because it's it's like a, when you don't get on, you're, but you just spin it, or, or it's like a spinning top. It's like, no, 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 no. And then because you put it off for so long, and this is like a, going on inside a, your consciousness, then you eventually have to jump on that thing that merry-go-round and then it's already got its speed going and then it it, you've and then because you're so like one-sided with it like gotta do this thing then right it's got then it's again a kinetic sort of energy almost like another similar metaphor is how um, what do you call those things like the olympic figure skaters Mm-hmm. they they will spin themselves for their option for their finishing move or one of their spin moves. And then there's like different places where if they're uh, balanced, like in the middle, they're not going very fast, but they pick up speed certain ways as they like stick out their foot or stick out, you know, their, their arm, just in part of their body. Um, and then, you know, if they do it in a balanced way or a one-sided kind of way Right. So it's the same thing that goes on in sort of like our mental kinetic energy. And so that's that's why procrastination is addictive because you can put it off and then when you finally do it, uh, it's like spinning in your own, you're like, Yeah, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. You losers, come on. Woo <laughs> You're like Ric Flair at that point. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah and and that's that's with anything and everything and that's why that like um it's often so like we get so one-sided with so many things in life whether that's uh politics which we're not going to get directly into but maybe directly a bit here i mean okay. in- indirectly uh just with the sort of kinetic uh cognitive metaphor but mm-hmm. whatever it is that you you get involved in there's always that um pull to take a side
3: mm-hmm. like
1: i don't know if you heard the the last episode i did but i kind of did that just because i wanted to voice that sort of idea of um you know how sometimes you might have friends or a, a couple friend like a r- romantic or uh, intimate partner friend married friend or whatever And they want you to take a side in their dispute. And then if you do, maybe there's some value to that, but you might lose one friend or a group of friends. So what you got to do is not pick a side if possible. Uh, But then as soon as you do like, oh my God, he or she is so horrible, then it can kind of snowball into something else. So, right. And the reason that I brought that up recently, and again, it's it's tricky with the politics, but it's just so such a big thing in our in our culture now to like mm-hmm. pick a side on this, pick a side on this. Like it didn't used to be that way. It just be like, oh, you're that political affiliation, cool. Well, I'm not. whatever. And up until the last five or ten years, especially, that was at least the way it was. And United States of America, as Boone always puts our country's name, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, April, what do you think? Since you're the the new person to our universe, sort of. <laughs> um,
2: no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think that um, we've seen a social and political trend of people getting more intense. Taking stances that are simplified but i think that like Mm -hmm. i mean at least in my lifetime people have often had simplified political stances they just weren't so loud and extreme and strong um people kind of were more buying into a flat ideology that that is slightly polarized or oversimplified like you know i believe this because blah because you know obviously because blah and like a lot of people You know, in my experience, have always been that way, but now it's just gotten a lot louder and extreme. Mm -hmm. And gone to the point where people will fight and stop talking to each other. And even obviously, like out at the rallies, we've seen violence for that um,
4: political
2: stage. You know, that's been going on. Um, You know, it's more work to have nuance in your feelings and and to kind of take everything in and integrate it or say, I see what's right and wrong about all these different stages. So, this is the approach I'm going to take. Like the Buddha called it the middle way. And that's mm. why to, you know, kind of just see things for what they are and be able to walk that line. Um, but it is, it's, it's, you know, American culture is very busy now too. So with that busyness, again, people want to simplify things and take one pole to something. Even if it's not, right. it could just be all kinds of things about their lifestyle or, you know, what they choose to do, what they're continuing
0: mm-hmm. What they watch Right Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much what they consume Especially Mm -hmm. with the media Everything's going like all over the place It's it's just like a um, I feel like it's an eruption that happened Right right and you can see this, you know, occurring. I, I think it's been happening for quite some time, but I think with, you know, after 2016 with the election, that election, it just everything just kind of explode. Um, April, you, we you do have a friend that was attacked actually mm. at the MAGA march. Um, I have march. A few friends that got attacked at the MAGA march. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the audience a little bit what happened? Um, if you if you can, um, yeah. I, hopefully we can invite her on and hear her oh, story. Really? Rayla,
2: yeah. 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 So um, there were a few instances. So Rayla Campbell has been trying to run for Congress here in Massachusetts. And uh. you know, as you know, Massachusetts is very blue and she's a Republican and there's been a lot of growing Republican, like grassroots Republican movement against this this deep control that the Democrats have over Massachusetts. It's just like again, it's kind of extreme and it it's you know, Massachusetts has always been blue, but where things are getting very radical. The people in charge are feeling more and more radical to us here in Massachusetts. So of course, the reaction is the other that right. I don't want to say that they're extreme because they're not extreme right-wing people, but there's a reaction to it now, you know, because it's just going too far. So Rayla's part of that. And in her attempt to run for Congress, she was told she needed a certain number of signatures. And they had changed the number she needed because of COVID. And she met the number of signatures and she literally physically went to turn the signatures in and the person who was in charge of collecting them looked at them and just said, Oh, you need more than that. And she said, well, mm. no, I was told I need this many signatures. And the person literally was just saying to her almost like on the fly, like, no, I think you need more than that. Like, wow.
1: It's like mafia stuff.
2: That's well, it's Massachusetts. Cause it's, so, it's like the
1: Massachusetts mafia.
2: Yeah, that's how it is here. Right. And, um, So, Mm -hmm. of course, she has been making noise about that and she's been suing for that, which I don't blame her. But kind of to bring up to what happened in Washington, she went to the MAGA March with her family. And I've never seen her with her family at anything political before. Um, She has two little kids. She likes to keep them out of that stuff. But the MAGA Mm -hmm. March was very different. It was huge and it was very good vibes going to it. Like Mm -hmm. I I got to be a part of it and everybody was just there to just be... Like, this is what we feel, but we're doing it on a positive note. So mm. it was a rather, generally speaking, it did turn out to be a rather family-friendly thing. People had kids. They had, like, their pets with them and things like that. So Rayla, you know, I, I actually ran into her at the march, and she was just glowing, and we said hi for a minute. And it was maybe an hour later, her and her family were being followed at the march by some-
1: What? Sorry? I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm just in her awe.
2: Family. Like, like asked something. I was like, her and her family were being followed by some Black Lives Matter people. Wow. And around the time people started recording, obviously the conflict had already been growing a little bit where they were just following her. And, you know, Rayla's like, she's tall and she kind of, she's, you know, she's pretty and she just kind of stands out and mm. she tends to have a, um, a bullhorn with her when she goes to these she didn't <laughs> go with her when I ran into her. But she did have it later on. She will pull it out sometimes, and will just, you know what I mean. It, it's a, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it was a really big parade again. And maybe she had this little microphone with her. But so many things were going on there. So many things, much bigger and louder. People put together all kinds of displays, moving displays with big speakers mm-hmm. and boom boxes and music. There were things like much more louder. If you were just drawn to the fact that something was loud. Mm-hmm. My point is, people were were targeting her anyways, and. They were following her, and she kind of pulled one of her kids in closer to her because they were kind of coming up next to her kids, and they kept saying things to her. And she yelled back at them with her her little horn to leave them. (laughs) And She she was walking away from them. I mean, she was saying things to them, but walking away from them, and they kept following her until they had a physical altercation with her husband and they pushed her husband on top of one of her kids and at that point people other people started to step in who were watching because they were like she has kids with her and she has like she had a really small child with her with her stroller and people just started to get involved and, and break it up um but that was what happened to her like luckily nobody was put in the hospital or anything like that but obviously it was really inappropriate and it was just it was really traumatizing for the kids they were really upset at the end of it um the interesting thing, I just want to add, like, because I posted it to social media and I've been talking about this sort of thing more and more. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's interesting to me that like, no matter what evidence you put in front of people's faces, how much they'll find a way to argue it. Like I had people after a while, some people were commenting going, well, why did she bring her kids? Wow.
3: And focus
2: on. they were like, that was no place for children. And I'm like, you weren't at this. You don't know what it was. Like
3: it
1: it's, was- it's amazing that that even needs to be said. Like, I mean, I remember in, okay, I grew up in Iowa originally where, you know, there would be. Are you up? No, what's up, people? <laughs> Middle side, what's up? <laughs> no, but, and so we had uh, always a lot of political things. I mean, at least every four years being the first of the nation caucuses and, and all that. So it was like normal that, uh, and Well, I mean, I guess campaigning is a little bit different than rallies and those kind of things. But e- even rallies that you'd hear about, you'd never hear about rallies where there's violence. Mm-hmm. And I would almost understand that if there were like... like, like I I understand everybody has their, their positions and their gripes and their whatevers, but w- what's going on is like pure... R- rhetorical things it's not like like the the way that people are acting it's like that whoever's in the white house whoever's in power is like literally you know burning down the house of representatives or they're like getting out the nuclear launch <laughs> football and they're gonna like i'm gonna destroy the world <laughs> but right the, it, it's all r- rhetorical mm-hmm. and uh, and that there are com- like there the gripes that they do have are conversations that should be had, but they don't want to have conversations. They just want to like do their own thing of like burn the world to the ground. Uh, so it's it's just really these strange things and and I think it does have a lot to do with these um uh, sort of mental or co- you know cognitive. Uh, kinetic energies where like even at these rallies or looting things and everything else it's one thing to watch it on tv or even hear about it Mm -hmm. but if you take these people that have these feelings or ideas or whatever and then you put them together then it can turn into these uh, eruptions that wouldn't have happened otherwise if people are spread out. So it's, and the other part to that too, is like normally if people are in like the normal kind of groups where normally we might congregate at a coffee shop and like, or like a bar and have a beer and like complain about the world and then whatever we might like, the guys might have a little fight and then hug each other at the end or high five, whatever. But when you take people apart, and they like isolate them in, in their homes and you say you can't ever get together unless it's for a political rally <laughs> right that's like what do you expect to happen it's going to be these eruptions so uh this year is definitely the the worst and yeah, it, and it what does have.
2: that's what we saw with floyd floyd yeah, yeah. everybody had been locked up for three months Right. Yeah. broadcast everywhere and it was like boom like and there mm. was these memes going around going, Oh, I can't believe I still have my COVID decorations up. It's already riot season. <laughs> <What? Yeah. laughs> it's already riot season. Yeah. It was like that. That was how quick it happened. And yeah, you're right. Um and it is, you know, I remember going to some rallies in past years where I would just try to connect with whoever was like near me, whoever wanted mm. to talk to me, and there were times right. I took like Antifa kids like out for pizza and stuff. After, like, of course, I don't think they were part of real Antifa. <laughs> Antifa but-
1: did you say Antifa kids? Antifa kids for pizza? <laughs>
0: yeah, I did. Yeah, no. Were I- you
1: trying to indoctrinate them with anti-antifaism?
2: Basically, yeah. Well, I mean, how are you gotta, you know, if you're going, that's the thing, right? It's kind of like what you said. If you're going out to these things, if you're going out mm. You're you're demonstrating something that you're upset about, but there's always the counter protesters. And maybe it's because a conversation needs to happen a little Mm. bit more. So like I sometimes I come to it with that idea. And it was funny because I was with a few of course I went with a few friends and when we left, it was like myself and the friend basically paid for everything. Like we got a few big pizzas, bought people like like a drink. It was just like a few kids or something like that. And
1: well, when things. when you say kids, are you talking about college kids or like yeah. eight year olds that were running around? or, or the
2: nine, no, no, Those nine year old Antifas, you don't yeah. You know, they're like, the, the jihadists that have the, little kids with the bomb strapped.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the Antifa bomb strapped <laughs> <laughs> to their chest. You're yeah. like, hey, you want one last pizza before you run into that school bus? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is like our Vietnam. No, I shouldn't joke about that. But uh, oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I take all responsibility for the dark humor.
2: But, um, no, they were in their twenties, but we were joking because, like you know, myself and my friend paid, and we're like, okay, yeah, of course, the capitalists, the pro-capitalist, paid <laughs> the pizzas for the radical left communists, <laughs> right? You know, of course. I mean, you know, so yeah, I, I've gone to those rallies and done stuff like that, but it just keeps escalating as we see
3: in the news, and you
1: know that that is an example of how <laughs> there's always going to be this yin yang or this opposites of uh, the capitalist and the communist, as, as we might call them, and that's just always how it's going to be. E- even in America, the West, every part of the free world, even not just now, but throughout our history of the past, however many decades or hundreds of years, it's been always a mix of those of you know some something like capitalism and something like uh, communism. And mm-hmm. and then it'll even manifest over uh, pizza. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's never going to be one or the other. And it, even if there is, it's going to be in these little pockets. And then they then they feed off of each other, and they and they definitely make each other stronger. So that however much they're together or apart, uh, whether that's in a town or it's like different sides of a rally, they make each other stronger. So just like in a. Um, like if you're in a working out a, a feud between like a couple or like two friends or anything, the it gets worse the more you're like, no, you're wrong because da da da, and then another one's like, no, you're wrong because da da da, and then they have to reinforce and strengthen their position, whatever it is, whether they're fighting over yeah uh, who who should do the dishes or or anything. But on the other hand, the the way to always solve it is to cut. As you, as one side comes more to the middle, the other side has to come more to the middle, even if they uh, resist it more and more. So that's why solving any kind of a, a feud, whether it's geopolitical or who should do the dishes or anything, yeah. it's always about coming to the middle uh, and then both sides eventually come to the middle. Right. So, uh, you,
0: before we even continue, we're going to talk a little bit about the yin and yang to kind of define it. Sure. So we're going to use a lot of black and white, and mm. we're not talking about race. We're talking about the yin and yang. So don't get triggered mm. here, audience. <laughs> so so, triggered. So, <clears throat> so I got this information from ancient, ancient.eu. So while you mm. guys were having a conversation, I was doing a Jamie googly goo. And <laughs> so, <you>. the, <laughs> so the principle of the yin and yang um, is that all things exist as inseparable and contradictory. Opposites, for example, female, dark, dark, light, and old, young. The principle dating from the 3rd century mm-hmm. BCE or even earlier is a fundamental concept in Chinese philosophy and culture in general. The two opposites of yin and yang attract and complement each other. And as their symbol illust- illustrates, each side has its core and element of the other represented by the small dots. Neither pole is superior to the other and as an increase in one brings a corresponding decrease in the other a correct balance between the two poles must be reached in order to achieve harmony so with to continue on with this with the yin i believe is the black one Um, it's feminine black dark north water passive moon earth And so forth, and then the yang is the white one. It's masculine, white, light, south, fire, active, sun, heaven, warm, young. Um, And if you look at the symbol of the Fire Wisdom Podcast, I have the yin and yang. And then when you look at the the logo of the Daily Archetype, it's light and dark. So. Mm pretty much the same thing so what's going on what we're what i'm seeing it's probably like the chaos and this is where dr peterson comes in with his book 12 rules for life Mm -hmm. to kind of control chaos with order um we're not we're not saying that one thing is better than the other because it it has to operate with each other side Mm -hmm. by side if that's not the case then you're going to see the eruption of what you're seeing right now Mm -hmm. with um Everybody is, is attacking each other So Isaac makes a very interesting part He talks about the um, civilization fell Due to a split psyche So um, mm. you call this um, A midlife crisis of humanity mm. Right Isaac?
1: Yeah um, And then um, To kind of uh, I don't know Enhance that wonderful Googly goo you did <laughs> <The>
4: googly goo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I,
1: I don't have uh, one, one particularly an, A nice paragraph like that but the where that even comes from even deeper is from about the 14th century BCE which Uh is uh, Egyptian alchemy or Gnosticism which is the Ouroboros Uh uh, which is the common symbol you see in uh, these type of things which originally it was one snake and then later one dragon and then later two dragons that are eating its own tail or eating each other's tail if it's two and has well and it's actually interesting that the reason it is um one dragon and then later two uh as a lot of historians and um people who who study these things will will say it depends on sort of like what their bent is when they're studying it but like if you read uh Eric Neumann's Origins and History of Consciousness, which is a book I talk about a lot, especially lately, and I'm going to get a little more in-depth with it soon, is um, it's because, like, if you look at animal sort of behavior or psychology, they don't have a distinct, um, like, unconscious consciousness like humanity does right. uh, to a certain degree, but to to a large degree, it's just they're, like, very connected between... Right brain, left brain, and their environment.
2: They're always acting it out. Um, I yeah, toll had some interesting things to say about that. Somebody put together all of his ideas about why animals can teach us so much, and it's because like they don't have that higher ego, so they're just right. constant now, and they're not doing. It's not the unconscious; it just is, mm-hmm. in, and they react in in a very authentic way.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, we kind of do, but we have these. Uh, this ego consciousness or our conscious minds that has this, what well, what makes our conscious mind so uh, frustrating or get get so frustrated, is that it it wants it's always developing, where, and so sometimes we think oh it was developed right away or we think it was developed when we were at this point in children or when we were young adults or something, but. In everyone and in the collective, it's constantly developing and it's painful to, to develop. And the, and that, that's actually the reason why we take these um, shortcuts, you know, like like you said, uh, April, how we usually, whatever stance that we take, especially on something super complicated, like geopolitical, whatever, uh, something very simple as far as like, I like it because of this. Uh, it's, it's these uh, shortcuts because... Otherwise, if we really engage with the thing, it's very strenuous and painful and challenging, mm-hmm. uh, and that and that's it. That at every single level, we're we're always growing, but it hurts. So we try to take shortcuts or not do it. And then when we do get involved in it, it, it really sucks us in. Mm-hmm. And so that's the well. Forget, I think go ahead.
2: I think people start to identify too much with their their stances they have of. Of everything
3: and what's going mm-hmm. on in
2: the world, it's just because you have th- this opinion or this belief about it, you know, say mm-hmm. geopolitical or whatever it is. Because you have that belief right now, it's like they—they're like this is like who I am. Like this idea right. came from my mind. So even though it probably didn't originally come from their mind, it's a compilation of maybe
1: right,
2: right. from one opinion piece to maybe several things that they read somewhere. But you or know, memes. Like, this is me. This is yeah. my meanness. So like, I have to, I have to hold on to this. It gets people mm. have a really hard time revising <clears throat> those thoughts that they have in their head that now they're like, this is me. This is part of what I am. And it's like, well, it can be, but you know, you can take and leave different beliefs and people lose sight of that too. And, right. Which and-
1: which is the concept of identity. We're always trying to build our identity as mm-hmm. in individuals. And, uh The so and and this is why sometimes I I try not to talk about it so directly because it's like the the trap and it's the one where it's like even you know Jordan Peterson can almost aptly be criticized, but it's just the trap that we all fall into where we can criticize certain positions and then you, you because you take a side, you're immediately sucked into the other side is like oh so you're the evil team that thinks uh, this and you want to destroy everything well you're you're the devil uh-huh. and then it's like no it's just the idea that's the problem and then and then what what's tricky too is if you're taking a position on the idea then still those who like like that idea that's part of their identity and the and the main way that this manifests at least in in the modern era, modern or postmodern or, or both, uh, I guess mainly postmodern, is how um, it's actually from, you know, we always, the common thing to call it is something like neo-Marxism, but it's actually closer to uh, Lenin and Mao because they wrote out, and this is like I put it in a few of my episodes, episode zero in particular, how um, they, they wrote out, Identity and contradiction, I think, which is very similar to what we're talking about. But the the thing is, with identity, is you know, so they'll talk about the the identity of of opposites. You, there's up and down. There's rich and poor. All these things, and so they want to uh, destroy those uh, identities, those distinctions. Mm-hmm. Main. So mainly, the way that that was up in, up through Mao was focusing on the rich and poor having to destroy those distinctions. So build a bridge between public and private property it is how they put
2: comic, it. But that now they've shifted it into other right. identity. Right.
0: Yeah. So I'd like to continue on um, mm-hmm. to add to you guys' point about the group. Mm-hmm. So Eric Neumann, the, the origins and history of consciousness, he wrote, um, he said, the average ego, the mm-hmm. average individual remains fixed in the group Mm-hmm. Although in the course of de- development he's compelled to give up the original security of the unconscious to evolve a conscious system and to take upon himself all the complications and suffering which such development entails mm-hmm. So he's talking yeah. about like the development of the individual this is what you talked about Isaac about mm-hmm. um the uh when I told when I told you about the dream about the Buddha I had mm-hmm. a dream seeing Buddha mm-hmm. <clears throat> smiling at me and so um I did kind of you know did a little bit of research on on it why did i dream about the buddha it's pretty mm-hmm. much my i'm currently going through a self-transformation and i feel this i don't know it, it's this is just an existential sensation that i have um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an empirical observation it's not going to be the same for everybody else but um this is what i'm going through and pretty much the sufferings that come with myself of pretty much departing from my original self so shedding mm-hmm. my old skin mm-hmm. if that makes sense so mm-hmm. that's the complication and suffering that comes along with it as well Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it It is that and I'll add uh, briefly just that I think the reason that maybe pe- people like us or um, people in general might have more of these dreams recently or, or those kind of thoughts maybe compared to a few years ago is because that to whatever degree that we can discern is going on in the collective at the same time mm-hmm. uh, where we're on a lot of different levels the whole collective of the state the nation the world is going through that type of transformation and it's and it's sometimes it sounds like a beautiful thing like oh i'm becoming a better butterfly or shedding my old skin or whatever right but it's, no, it's no, a really it's... painful thing <laughs> you
0: guys you guys remember uh, the I, bug's life i that first... fat caterpillar you guys remember Bugs Life? Yes. We're, yes. I didn't <laughs> so, see that movie, yeah. but I don't
1: think yes. I saw it. I, I don't have any
2: kids. But but I, yeah, I also think of a quote, that, um, and I forget if it was the Dalai Lama or who said it, but basically just saying that enlightenment is a destructive force right right worries so much when you become enlightened and it's true and you know just jumping back to something you said earlier isaac that i really Mm. jump in and add to and i couldn't my mother was low-key talking to me but (laughs) you were talking about how it's a natural reaction when one group pushes the other like the other side will just show up to push back right um that's something that's been um on My radar a lot the last mm-hmm. four years and has been concerning me as well. And it's almost like having a Cassandra complex because I kept saying that it was going to happen. And then on the mm. stage, like what we were talking about, I was really concerned with the right becoming more and more radicalized. And it's right. starting to happen now, um, you know, which it's exactly what I didn't want to see happen. But, you know, we were yeah. watching people were getting, you know, people on both sides were getting more intense. They were. It was really at you know, socially and at rallies, it was tend to be a little bit more people on the left were, were getting more radical and it wasn't even being corrected. It wasn't being noted. There wasn't a lot of a spotlight being put on it in the media. And as a result of that, of it just going unchecked, the right started to radicalize a little bit more. Yep. Um, so it is happening now. But, you know, now that it's happening and it's like, OK, well, we couldn't stop it because that was my yeah. idea of being. I was being a little more centric and a little mm. more, you know, oh, yes, you know, the intellectual dark web is mm. wonderful. We can thought experiment, we can have understandings, and um, maybe, maybe add new solutions to these problems people are really upset about. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's so great, but it happened anyways, right? Mm. So now my point of view of it is that this whole thing, this whole polarization we're seeing now, mm. it have its own reaction in and of itself, its own, it, you know, kind of like, an opposite force is going to be coming in a few years. And I think, I think it's going to be solutions. I think right now, like all the voices we've seen rising are all critics. Like even Jordan Peterson, he's more of a, mm-hmm. a critic. Um,
1: On both sides.
2: Which is fine. And because you can't, yeah. you, know, you want to be able to fully articulate and understand the problem. And again, you're talking about the collective conscience. It kind of like guides that collective conscious into being like, yes, this is what the problem looks like. Okay these are all the different reasons we didn't even know about causing the problem. And okay. You know, the left, the right. So it's like you want someone to really crystallize what the problem is in order for there to be a solution. And I think we are going to get some good social and economic solutions out of this, but they're not going to start growing until the next several years out from now. Um, Yeah. And
1: you know, I used to be really, well, when when I say used to be, I'm like in the past, Uh, couple weeks, I'm making my own sort of like new way of looking at things where I used to just try to be more optimistic in general, especially in the sort of like doomsday world that we're in to not get sucked into the Mm -hmm. uh, pessimism. Whereas now, I guess maybe in my own maturity, I'm learning it's less about being optimism to find balance, but more about trying to find realism. Mm Mm-hmm you know, which might be more of the middle way, so to speak. Mm. And in, in the realism, and I think it's sort of growing too, as a way of looking at things. Mm. Um, I see that um, I, I I, I used to sort of look at it more that way. And again, like (laughs) up until the last few weeks uh, where, yeah, everything's going to be great and things are going to turn around and, uh, all these things. And I still, I think, do look at that, at it that way optimistically. However, there will probably, either one of two things will happen first. One is either there will be some huge snap break borderline of this, like, you know, civil war that people keep talking about. Or the other is uh, it kind of just gets drawn out a lot because the the tricky thing now is that we're all so super conscious of each other and the group because of the way that media is. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you, you used to be able to have like a small group or a small country or a small city, and they could like boil over and explode and snap and do their weird thing, and then you, and then everybody else looking from a distance would be like, "Wow, that's weird. We shouldn't be like that." But now it's kind of like the whole world builds up and you know boils up together, and it's like a long, long, long simmer. Uh, But then the other thing that makes it extra weird that's going on sort of like off in the other level boiling up to the surface right now is and, and this is the one that's like maybe the hardest to talk about is Uh, there is definitely deep levels of corruption that are coming up, mm-hmm. including and definitely not limited to. Uh, this last election and to whatever degree that people may or may not believe it's realness <clears throat> to, to some degree it's real. And even if it, if it was not real enough to overturn the result of the le- election, and even if maybe uh, still it could go either way, but by the time the courts and the you know Supreme court and the uh, house of representatives get more involved, uh, which, whichever way that goes, the what do you call them the the cockroaches are already scurrying away (laughs) Uh, and as they try to as we try to bring them to literally the uh the company the you know these dominion voting companies are disappearing overnight and they keep saying oh yeah we're going to come to that meeting and then they disappear
2: going up i know i know they're not well the thing is is that you're never going to actually get rid of type of people who cause this problem all you can do is manage it and mitigate it down
3: right right that
2: was the whole point of the u.s constitution the founders were in agreement that you can't trust people to do the right thing that was Mm. completely what they were they were like people are still going to mess this up we're just going to make sure they don't mess it up too catastrophically Mm. um and that we can somewhat manage it so i think that what we are seeing things come to light but you know what this has been coming for a really long time where there's been Rumors since about 2008 about elections being mm. rigged, you know, it's just, it started out very fringe and or mm-hmm. super duper political junkies like, when, oh, you know, were some votes stolen, you know, what happened? Yeah. And then it's slowly grown. And now it's just, it's a boring mainstream broil royal now in this election that Trump is heading up very gladly and very loudly as he does. Yeah. And, you know, maybe some things will get, I mean, yeah, in a way I'm like, okay, yeah, but after all, let's say he did win, or let's say he does uncover quite a lot of problems. Mm. It will fix things for a while, but then on some level, it might be teaching them how to hide it even better in new ways that, you know, that will that yeah. will emerge. But that's, that's, that, that's been going on forever. I mean, that is like- well,
1: and what I hope that happens and what I was uh, trying to, to get at is that if it comes to light in a um, real enough way that is undeniable that combined with having to deal with the reality of how the media is completely completely not for the people but the opposite of that against the people and for the corruption
4: mm-hmm.
1: as that comes to light hopefully people who in the past uh loved those things loved the things that were being fed by the corruption mm-hmm. they you know and this is why i thought of it as the um eatable complex. And because what happened what I think is going on on like a deep psychological level is it's like a um the collective wanted to uh have this ancestral relationship with the collective consciousness to kind of go on a um this is what I think is going on like a deeper mythological level and that's where uh, they wanted to like ha- find the utopia and ha- and so like half the society is trying to find the utopia in the collective consciousness of society of like uh, all this like utopianess that certain people try to find in the world. And then the other side is like, no, let's just have freedom and let's just like get maybe personal utopia, but not collective utopia, or you know whatever. And so that's what's caused that split psyche. But then almost like that sort of like Oedipal metaphor of then the, those who realize what they've done have this huge remorse. That's what I I kind of hope for, but it's tough when that huge remorse comes with being seen by others. Like if, if, uh, if it was by themselves, it might be different, Mm -hmm. but I'm afraid that, it being seen by the world, they they would then try to defend it more. Like, oh no, uh,
3: right, right.
1: It, 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 Trump must have done it somehow. He he must have like rigged the election against it's himself, you know, or, or some other you know junk they well, come up with.
2: I don't know if you. Um, I think I've brought this up before, um, mm. soon, but I don't know if you're into different forms of cycle theory. Mm. Um, yep. You know, but I I think that you can see a lot when you look at that too. Where saying that there's there's various cycles like. In this, you know, there's financial cycles, real estate cycles, technology, science cycles, but there's also something called a crisis cycle. Mm. And societies tend to have a crisis every, about every 60 years. So Mm. this is what we call another crisis cycle. And it was predicted. Like people were thinking about this time being this tumultuous like 40 years ago, um, saying that that, around 2020 would be really bad like this. So I think Mm. that, yeah, I mean... it's a crisis cycle right now. And right now we have more technology than we ever had. We have all of these things on the playing field that we didn't have in past crisis cycles. So right. A crisis cycle is, you know what it sounds like, like a crisis, but there's a lot of upheaval. It's usually a result of people feeling like they just have gone too long without being heard and having certain needs
3: addressed.
1: Yeah. And I I think it also goes into the pleasure pain principle. Like um, if people are go for too long just being in their own sort of uh, maybe the, the world's not really great, but it's not, and it's not perfect, but it's not horrible either. Then they just start to break things. <laughs> I right. think that's a lot of what's going on, even right. if it's unconscious. Like
2: for conflict or like people say, like, what was that, that rat utopia experiment in America? Mm. We've become too comfortable. So now we're just looking for problems. And then human nature, if you don't have a problem, a human will look for one. And if they can't just find one, they will make one or they will make one out of nothing or out of
3: something
2: incredibly small. So we are doing that, too. But there we have had some growing um, economic issues. I think the Mm. economic piece is bigger than like they're trying to make it all about, you know, race and and gender and stuff like that, which we probably agree is all like that weird, you know, neo-Marxism. Mm -hmm. All that type of, that other type of philosophy that's being weaponized. But a lot of that is just the result of the fact that things, you know, the whole American dream and all of that has become more and more difficult as the years are going on. So you have people getting out of school, they go into debt for the college degree, and then they can't have the house like their parents had when they were 25 years old. They can't have this, they can't have that. They're working nights and weekends and holidays, and they're still not making a lot of money, um this is kind of a newer thing and this is probably
3: we're
1: seeing, mm, well
3: um
2: the first generation in america that couldn't just go have their own house like even if you didn't make a lot of money we used to be land rich so you actually had quite a lot and quite a lot of independence even for short money even if you weren't like you know affluent
1: you mm-hmm.
3: had
2: something that was yours very easily and at a young age, and that was kind of.
1: I don't know if I would say easily. That that's like a mythology, the the kind of things that people went through, and you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can tell that. Uh, but even just that mythology of like, I go to college, and then after college, I get a forty-year job, and then I die. Uh, but it was great because it was easy. That's uh,
2: recent, I think the college piece was, just ran for a few generations
1: yeah that that was just like barely that was like,
2: but even if you didn't
1: one or one and a half generations,
2: college is just one of many examples that it's just that I'm using college as an example because that's one of the myths that we were fed that people right was fed, but oh yeah, yeah that that's I just agree. part
1: of the whole outrage mythology outrage. is outrage. like
2: yeah, college' like, has only been for a few generations that that rode out for a bit, and that actually yeah, changed. but before college you still were able to be the way that America was set up, even if you didn't, because most people didn't go to college before, right? But you, I mean, even
1: mass literacy is a very new thing.
2: <laughs> like right,
1: but... Up, up until a, a couple hundred years ago, most of the population, even in the modern world, like America and Europe, was illiterate.
2: Right, but people were able to have more in America, even if you couldn't read and write, and even if you didn't have a college education, you were able to have more and more relative freedom. In like not just freedom, like freedom of speech, but like like literal space. You were able to do what you wanted. You could have your farm, you could plant your food, and you didn't have to, you know, you weren't
3: indebted. Yeah, I I guess guess
1: it's just that I believe this whole thing, and and I listened to uh, the podcast you two did. uh, We we talk more about this. Um, But I believe it's really part of this, well, modern mythology, but also modern um, part of the, these whole crisis cycles. Because not just in a Steven Pinker, Enlightenment Now way, but just in every way, there is there has been increasingly more like we can do and get and achieve and experience way, 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 way more constantly. The, the The only maybe like hiccup in that, curve upwards uh was you know this year with with covid but it'll that will be corrected within the next year uh but we're constantly be, being able to do to travel more experience more uh i mean the the biggest thing where i i feel like nobody can complain because the ultimate resource is not uh what comes out of the ground but it's what comes out of the, the mind Ooh. the ultimate resource is mental resources and it's like like, okay, th- these things that I yammer on about with, like, oh, uh, psychology, mythology, and everything else, like, uh, not to toot a horn or anything, but it's, like, I have become a little bit of an expertise in the, the last couple years by just – because I have, like, unlimited – just being, like, a regular person, definitely not rich or anything like that, mm-hmm. but a person with the internet, I have unlimited – Books at my fingertips, lectures and audiobooks, and I can learn literally just about anything. Like I, I could learn how to like build a computer in like a few, I don't know how many weeks or months or a couple of years mm-hmm. or, you know, all these things that in the past, the only way to do things like that is like miraculously have access to books. So like nobody did before the last couple of years.
2: Or be that one person that has just the right job in somewhere that you get that special training.
1: Yeah, and that that was so rare. And and so I really believe this is the greatest time to be alive. And it's constantly getting more of that. The only thing is we have to uh, defend it and we have to stay vigilant in our not getting sucked into these weird mythologies that the world is burning to the ground because we have debt. Debt isn't even real. It's the worst, biggest lie of mythology ever. Just the same way fiat currency is, but only like a million times more of a lie.
3: Well, I
2: think that's where we're just talking about needing some reform because obviously like
1: Mm.
3: our
2: our money system isn't real. I agree with you. But if people in charge are acting like it's real and denying you things because of it, then that's very real. But if we Mm. have reform in our policy, which I think will come, you know yeah. I don't know exactly what it's going to look you know I don't have a crystal ball, but yeah, yeah. I think because it's one of the things people people are vocalizing they 're unhappy about, but it is actually becoming yeah. more and more of a barrier and I agree with you it's great that mm. we have the internet, we have all these resources, but we have to still figure out how we will manage, utilize, and add value to those resources because if everybody starts well, learning how to build their own computer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then maybe that's not going to be a job anymore. Just for example, like I'm not saying, yeah. that, or you know, if enough people can themselves how to do that, mm. you know what I mean. Then it goes back to like, okay, well, people can learn how to do that on the internet for free now. So
0: mm. in- I, I see what you're, tra- yeah, I see what you guys are trying to say. Like pretty mm. much like, um, um, with when I hear somebody like. Um, people like the democrats socialists for example they make the argument that education should be free so I'm talking about higher education um, if you're going to MIT for free you have to remember that the, if it's free then it's going to devalue mm-hmm. because everybody's going to get pretty much this certificate and mm-hmm. that's capitalism that's what it would what it, what it, what it do and so uh, the thing that when I ask somebody I go okay what do you mean by free education and how how we're going to pay for it and stuff with taxes and stuff I I, I get it but um, but now, just like you guys talked about, all this information is free online. I mean, you can learn to code. You can learn how to build your own computer. You can even make a business for yourself um, in this current state, in, in society today, because of the fact that we have so much uh, technical advancement for the, like, for the last decade or so, I mean, we can do anything at home, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, you know, with COVID and stuff like that, you know, um, it, it taught me to see that, hey, we can actually work from home. You know, we don't have to go to the office and and do all that. But at the same time, we have to remember that we are competing with each other Mm -hmm. as well. Right. For for if you get a bachelor's degree in business administration, for example, and then somebody else is like, you know, coming in um, and doing the same thing, you will compete. So these democratic socialists, Mm -hmm. they don't think about the consequences. They just think about the now. Mm -hmm. They just they don't think about the. The after, I mean, of course, like the Buddhists, they teach you the now, but Mm. that's not in concern to college Mm. education. This is uh, being the self. And this is why Dr. Peterson Peterson always say to fix yourself first. So the unhappiness that we see a lot of millennials, people our age, Mm. um, totally understandable. I mean, we don't own a home. (laughs) You know, we don't own a home. Everything's really expensive. like majority of the um, expensive places that you see are in the cities. Mm -hmm. So in San Francisco, in Massachusetts and stuff like that, of course you guys are miserable, you know, because you guys are Mm -hmm. with each other. You guys are close proximity of each other. And let alone you guys are competing for resources Mm -hmm. with the rural and the, the urban. So it's, this is what we kind of have to look and try to understand with um, the unhappiness of what we see among our age group you know we can you know talk about experience like me i you know being i i've like i said, I grew up poor and stuff like that so it taught me a lot about um being humble um i don't need a fucking tesla i don't need any of that i just want a nice comfortable home i don't give a shit it's a fucking tp with internet access and refrigerator for food i'm happy Mm -hmm. we need we need to teach our generation to um,
2: some of it is to just, be grateful. It's just plain materialism, you know? Yeah. I think what you're, you're saying, there's some right. there's this materialism and people need to know when to stop because again, it's like, mm. it's like being too successful. How much more do you need? That's the consumerism. That's just never going to end. People have to learn right. how to rein that in. And these are all new things we're experiencing over the past like 75 years and human beings yeah. never lived in this much relative comfort except maybe ancient Rome, which this was even better than that. And ancient Rome was pretty kick-ass, right? So right. <laughs> now we're... The human being, they
1: didn't, they didn't have toilets though <laughs> <laughs> or toilet paper like we hoard now. And, and they
2: didn't have, they, they didn't have totally lead free plumbing either. And they, they also, you couldn't have yeah. a proper shower every day. Like you can now, the fact that you can take a shower every day is pretty unbelievable. Is yeah.
1: And amazing. air conditioning and
3: here's <laughs>
1: and all, all these things that, that we get, uh, I mean, we, we take it for granted. Like any poor person can, can get these things. You know, right. They, they might they might have they it, it a little bit hard. And some people don't like that sort of argument, if you you could call it an argument. But I, I think it's just a fact. It, you know, and then, well, I I almost put it in that category that you know, Peterson and Harris argue sometime where it's like you can't derive uh values from facts, but I think that is one fact where it's like yeah. the fact is in the modern world peop even a one of the poorest people in the modern world will have it much easier materially than just about anybody else in the previous history and about half the world that's not modern.
2: Right. 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 No, I know. I completely agree with you. And people need to remember how much better the average standard of living is. And we yeah, even poor people, we've made sure that they have a standard. Like <laughs> you're poor, but you have a standard right your life. Well,
1: and, and they have access to you know like even when I was when we were growing up, I, I know we're close to the same age, but you know when we're growing up, like it was such a big deal to get like a game boy.
0: <laughs> you, know? or, you, you guys remember the cordless phone like what yeah yeah to, yeah. In the restroom? <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and by the way for you young kids if you might be listening out there when we say cordless <laughs> we're not talking about a cellular phone <laughs> there you you may know a little bit about these things called landlines kids but we're not just talking about a landline that so back in the old days kids a landline would always have a cord and so if you're going right. to talk on the on the phone you'd have to be on this cord and normally you'd want to be by the phone but then sometimes you'd have to have like a 20-foot cord that would run itself throughout the house to try to get some privacy and that was just like not that long ago
2: right <laughs> and you're right, right. For, for, for holidays you might have gotten like a few or one or you know really amazing gifts that
1: mm.
2: and you, not that long ago the technology wasn't even that far and no, it's
1: like iPod Pros or, or whatever they, they're yeah, called. Or,
2: if you're getting like a MacBook when you're in the second grade, yeah. like
0: what's left?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's left at that point? It's all downhill from know, second grade.
0: <laughs> you know, we, we, yeah, we didn't even grow up like that at yeah. all. I didn't give, give oh, any yeah. Christmas I, I was, gifts.
1: I was like a welfare kid. and But, you know, uh, I'll try to say quickly, My one little thing that made me like think this way from even a child growing up poor is in the Iowa town that I was in, we had a lot of African refugees mm-hmm. and right. the church that I was at, particularly for whatever reason, found, they found a lot of, you know, African refugees called it their church home. And so through that and a couple other ways we, we had like got, my family had a lot of friends with their, you know, Af- African refugee friends. And a lot of them that we knew that came over, they would have like, I don't think, most of them could even wear shoes, or at least not normal shoes. And right. The reason is because they, they would have these have calluses on their feet that were like the size of shoes, and right. so sometimes, and I'm like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, like saying, "Mama, what's a, what that?" Or I, don't know, I wouldn't I not talk like that, but I say, <laughs> <laughs> "I don't remember how exactly I talked as a as a child." But I'd be like, so
0: like, you sound like a little Eddie, Murphy, mama, what's yeah, that?" <laughs>
1: I don't know why I jumped into any Murphy <laughs> child voice. You
0: yeah, just
2: jumped into like a different person. I was like,
1: oh, yeah. No, uh, okay. <laughs> but I said, oh, mother, mother, why do those children have huge feet? <laughs> anyway, that I, I, I heard the stories from uh, not just them, but uh, throughout there, but they would have to walk across the Congo barefoot in, in escape from all these civil wars that were going on. Mm-hmm. Like we're freaking out right now that we can't buy guns and that we're in, oh, maybe there's going to be a civil war. You guys don't have any idea what civil war is. Civil war to an American that like thinks there might be a civil war right now means they might have to struggle to get a gun or have some of these, yes, it's horrible, some of these violent things that have happened the last year or so. Or they might have to uh, hunker down in their home more than they want to and uh, call people names online. That's what <laughs> civil war is in 2020 and 2021. Uh, but. Like Civil war in the real world is a lot of the families and loved ones have to literally walk across the country barefoot and in the wild right. and guarded with M-16 machine guns and all these things that they're going to survive. But you, uh,
2: but, you know, I think it's good that we have a higher standard than that. I think that that part is actually great. However,
3: mm-hmm. I think we
2: need to marry that expectation with more of a sense of meaning. And responsibility, mm-hmm. again, we've lost yeah, yeah. the sense of responsibility and meaning. I think it's fine that our, our standards are a certain way here. And it's like we lead the world. So I do think our standards for how we live should stay high here in America. Mm-hmm. We should hope for those standards elsewhere, too, wherever it's mm-hmm. possible. But um, really, like, we've lost meaning. And, you know, as a wise professor friend explained to me, he was like, well, you know, like, you got to figure once people weren't working on farms anymore it really changed us a lot. I mean, we were, for quite a long time, we were meant to be working land. Most of us, most of us were farmers. Um, Mm -hmm. And that gave you, even if you weren't a farmer, you had another sort of job, but your jobs had more direct meaning and impact to the community. And it really, you woke up every day with a purpose, with a family to take care of, and you knew what you were going to do that day. You Mm -hmm. knew what was at stake, and you had to work to survive in a certain way, and everybody had a role. And it really you know, we look back on that now, like, oh, how horrible must that have been? Because you were kind of imprisoned into your life. It, mm. That might be what it would look like for us now looking back on it. But to actually be in that gave your life more direction and purpose in some ways, arguably, than how right. we live now, where we've replaced our need to do perform that type of labor and do those types of jobs and to have to do it in our immediate communities. We've, Replaced that need. We have technology, and we have ways that that stuff gets done. So right. now we're free to pursue other things. But what it's done really is, it's kind of fragmented us. We don't yeah. have the same sense of community. We don't have the same sense of meaning. And a lot of people, to a degree, need to be told or need to have a reason. They need to have a reason. They don't know how to just make up a reason for themselves or like make meaning for themselves in this type of world that they're living in now. I think this is. Part of our struggle, well,
1: you know? I, the, the the tricky thing about that is I think it needs to come by experience. Mm-hmm. So like, even if supposedly you could tell a person and this analogy uh, will run many different ways, but you could say your meaning is to go make corn, you know, be a corn farmer. And, and then and that worked for a while. And so then after that, it's like, okay, we're barely corn farmers anymore. So now, then it's like, okay, your meaning is to uh, whatever, go get this job, or or maybe do this religious thing, or save the world this way or that way, or make money like this or that. But what has to happen is even if we, we have great things to say, this is your meaning, whether it's agricultural, religious, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, a person that still has to go out and figure that out for themselves. And and I think that was a lot of the, the problem with the, the older world, I guess
3: you were told that, yeah. yeah, you you were told
1: and there, and there were very few options.
2: Yes. No, I, I, that was one of, you're right. Your father did this. So that's the trade you learned. And that's what you hmm. do, and that's it. And there was a trade off in that where it, it could, there were good things about it, but for some people it was just like, okay, that's it. That's all I know. Okay. Right. Um, you know, now we can go find something, but it's like, okay, but once you find it, then you have to make it work. And then in
1: in the process of it not working, you're going to kind of blame the world, (laughs) which is what we're going on right now, where it's like, you have to go through that trial and error process.
2: I I also don't think we're supporting kids and young people to actually really try and find things. I think we just kind of, you know, that's a whole other topic, like the public school system and whatnot. But You know, it's like we're raising kids to be mediocre generalists. We don't really go into like, well, what's your gift? You know, most people have some kind of strength. It doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, a prodigy violin player, but you have Mm -hmm. you have something that you have more of an aptitude for or some kind of talent. Usually, um, you know, the kids that are very good generalists or can Mm -hmm. perform very well academically and sports and creatively in every discipline. That's like what the top like 3% of of performers in school. And it's like we're trying to groom all these kids to be. Most people won't be like that in school. Most Mm. people will have an area of strength. And we would probably do better by going, okay, you know what? You're good at this. Let's focus on this more. Instead of
3: covering
2: you and trying to get you like what we think is up to par on these other things over here and like wasted right. another six years of your life. Like but let's focus on what you're good at and let you kind of play around with that and go in and like, see if there's something in that. that well, and
1: kind of, you know. um, I'd be interested to see what you ladies think of this, but I think what we need to, and this is to sort of tie things together is that I think what we ultimately need to hand down, Is the value, and actually, we're doing this unconsciously, is the value of seeing or the the value of vision, which in that value is whatever you do, pay attention. And if you don't pay attention in whatever you do, uh, later when it screws up because you weren't paying attention, you're going to have to go back and redeem that attention by looking back and learning from your mistakes of not paying attention. And that's sort of the highest value. And it's like the eye at the top of the pyramid. It's that eye of providence it's not just like some illuminati thing but it's it's (laughs) the you know multi multi uh five or ten thousand year old highest value is that which pays attention and so if we can teach each other and the next generation to pay attention whatever that is that they do it's like okay you want to go be a uh whatever you're gonna go be a farmer you're gonna go be a preacher you're gonna be a a computer person, pay attention. And then in so doing, whatever happens, they will grow because ultimately then that's where the value is. The, the value isn't because everybody will be okay. They're going to like die of old age, almost <laughs> the, the right. median death age, even with COVID is always going to be about 78 in the modern world. So the the real issue is handing down the value of of people paying attention and i say that to say and again try to wrap this up or i mean not necessarily wrap it up but wrap it together and then and get more of your opinion on it is that's also the the yin yang thing is when even when you get involved in these things like oh we're not on the middle way but i really need to uh be an antifa person or be a mega person or be a this person or that Mm -hmm. person or a christian or atheist or whatever sometimes it's like yeah get involved in it but when you do pay attention to what happens when you're on that pendulum going back and forth or that merry-go-round spinning around um what do you think boone
0: yeah well like um to even add to that as well it's mm. like um eric neumann he talked about yeah. the origins of history of consciousness he continues on he said that um personality is built up largely by acts of introjection mm. um contents that were before experience outside are taken inside so
4: right.
1: in
0: connection to me and my personality so i don't know about you guys but i'm a little firecracker Okay I admit that I'm I'm. That's why you're popular <laughs> I'm a little firecrack I like to like um. Every time like I, I, I get to like Discussions sometimes I get a little bit of fight Get a little feisty at the same time I'm like a sour patch kid you know Like I get a little sorry <laughs> and then at the same time I'm I like, like oh. <laughs> I was like oh me yeah. <laughs> And it's like I'm happy and so like I'm so the thing with, with, with How I see it and how pretty much How I grew up is that I don't like the fact that we are not, I hope that we teach our children about the importance of the opposites of within themselves. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is that we all contain um, the yin and yang within ourselves. We have to remember that anger is a part of us. Mm-hmm. So Carl Jung talks about with the shadow. Mm-hmm. And so I did talk about this with Isaac where I said, you know, Isaac, I'm, I'm starting to have a little bit of, of anger. And he said, hey, you know, it's pretty much your, um, your repression of who you are. And so now it's coming out, and right. so I'm in my 30s. And when I was little, I was actually pretty calm majority of the time, so I kept it in. So when somebody like you know stepped mm. into my boundary and and pretty much violated my limitations, I let it go. Mm-hmm. And so, uh,
1: well, real quick, you didn't let it go; you let it in, that's and, and that's what built yeah. up that repression. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, so so now I'm like exploding into like I'm having a little temper, and I guys, I never had road rage ever. Never oh. had road rage. Like, if somebody cut me off, I'm like, oh, go ahead. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know what? And now it started to come out. Mm. And out. And more. And more. And so, I had a dream. So, I, I focused a lot of my dreams. And I did talk mm. about to you guys. I'm talking to the audience. Pay attention to your dreams. It's pretty much you talking to yourself. Uh-huh. So, I dreamt of a baby hippo. So, you guys don't know about hippos. They're very territorial animals. But at the same time, they're like the don't tread on me type of animals. So, I looked at the dream and I paid attention to the dream and I told myself, I said, maybe possibly the reason why I'm having a little bit of anger issue is the fact that it's not necessarily an issue. It's a signal from myself saying, Hey, you know, maybe being a nice person is a good thing, but maybe being a little sassy added to it will be, you know, your personality is coming out a little bit more because I'm told to anger is not a good thing. It's a bad thing in our society, as you can see, a lot of the left they make the argument no violence, but yet they commit violence, right y- you know what I mean so mm. this is where their chaos comes into play and where the orally needs to come and control that chaos and mm. so um I will link you guys the video that uh, Isaac sent to me as you get it, when you see the video of Alan Watts talking about the yang and yang, you can see the black mm. and the white fighting each other, but at mm. the same time, if one wins, it's bad, whether it's black or white. what ha- needs to happen is is a um Pretty much a togetherness. Um, pretty much like a uh, like a chem- chem- it, like a like chemical a reaction. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the, what's happening yeah. to me right now. My my little it's my so
2: little funny. demon. You know, it's is so coming funny. out. It's so funny you say that because I feel like something similar has happened to me through my thirties, and mm. I wonder how much of that is like a female thing. I'm sure it can happen to men too. Don't get me wrong. But we're just—we're taught so much as little girls to just like be pleasing and be attuned to other people's feelings and to like not say no. And
1: I think it's a thirties thing, but but go ahead.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. it could be. it is. It is it's
1: a midlife. It's a midlife thing. You know. You know. You
0: know. April, if you know Isaac a little bit, he's like that too. Where um, he, you know, what you're raised like a I don't know Christian, and then you so yeah. you're told to behave a little ginger. sure some
2: some people maybe just can't uncover it until they're in their 30s like that program just get get enough time and momentum for you to to be able to actually get in there and actually Mm. like deal with the wiring until you're in your 30s that could be the case too um because no i definitely feel like i had some of that happening to me through my 30s where i started getting more like Mm. my anger it hasn't come out like a seething anger like rage so much it's just let more, it out it's Just more like it comes out no it comes out though it comes out it's just good it's there it comes out very verbally <clears throat> um i i just get really verbose and opinionated and whereas good. Before, before i was too worried about hurting people's feelings and like that came out of me in my 30s so it's like no, it is, and and you know, yeah. There, there was, this, <laughs> there was this, this. No,
1: I'm being a good influence. Go ahead.
2: There was this socialization that I had that was just like you shouldn't get angry. Anger is always bad. Mm. Like I didn't have that. Like oh no, anger is normal and it's your friend. It can teach you something. It can it can show you, you know, what else is going on here. Um, every it's just everything in balance. So,
3: mm.
2: yeah, you know, um, and I yeah, I think that a lot of people are struggling with that right now. With again, with like everybody has to take this strong stance and it's like, well, who are you really? Are you, are you, yeah. are you this one dimensional
3: person? Because
1: yeah. You know, and I think a lot of it too, that we're of these sort of socio whatever social issues that we're talking about goes into just that. So a lot of it will go on, on the individual level where, I mean, it probably is more females that females are more like, Oh, girls should be nice. And, and, Oh, it's okay for a guy to be an asshole. Sometimes that's just boys will be boys, you know, right. but it, it all it, it is also just throughout the culture uh but I think especially sort of like this generation was like the um well especially like this very generation because like uh I know you're
0: talking about like the gen Z or you're talking no, about the US, well the US?
1: Uh, yeah probably the the millennials mainly because the uh Gen Xers and somewhat those before it was cool and normal and sometimes encouraged like, Hey, we got to be assholes to each other, especially in, uh, you know, certain parts of the world, the country, like, uh, Massachusetts and everywhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. The The mass holes. The the mass holes. Yeah. 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 I, I halfway, I spent my summers and I had like one part of my family that was like not poor. And then we would go to hang out with the mass holes in most of the summers. So (laughs) What what
2: part of
3: Massachusetts?
1: Um, what was it? Well, my grandmother lived in Burlington. Oh yeah. And to me. Yeah, I mean all yeah, all uh yeah, I'm in all su- suburban Boston area. And Boston. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was almost going to move there, but that that might be the main reason it's like I don't like mass holes. They're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> although although the, the the weird thing is I think they are that way I well, you know, it, it's Okay. I had this analogy that I like that I talked with people. Okay, so uh, people on the East Coast, particularly the mass holes and the like New Yorkers. Hey, get off my block. Mm-hmm. You know, those are on the surface. Hey, I'm kind of a mass asshole, asshole, whatever. Uh, but underneath that, they're like the squishiest teddy bears in the they world. Yeah. yeah. Now, on the other hand, people like where I'm at in California, the West Coast, yeah, the West Coast They have on the top layer this uh, facade of fake, (laughs) fake niceness. I'm 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 the, I'm the, yeah, I'm the nicest person in the world. I love everything until you like poke that a little bit. Like, why are you nice? Well, shut up, you mother, whatever. (laughs) Then they're like the worst assholes in the world once you get below that. Mm -hmm. But then you have to go below that level. Then they're the real genuine squishiest teddy bears in the world. Mm -hmm. So like we have these like layers of persona. Mm-hmm. And some of it is and even, you know, Carl Jung and that school of thought taught taught about it, how there there's some of it that's like the group persona of your folk or your or your area, your sort of geopolitical area. Although now it's kind of like mushing together and people are having trouble with the identity. But, yeah, go ahead.
0: but like right in the middle of the country. So if you guys can mm. picture the United States of America, so we're talking about the West Coast, that's where me and Isaac's at. And then yeah. April is where uh, the East Coast mm. and um Massachusetts. so um their observation or the conclusion that they gave it's it's not it's not a statement of facts, but come on, think about it. you know here in the West Coast, we are all you know it's like like um superficial it's, fake. It's superficial, and I'm not saying that Isaac and I are superficial per se because we don't have su- fake movies or butts but like, <laughs> you can see in our, in our culture you can see in our culture that everything about us is is fake. You know mm. what I mean? And so, but then when you go right in the middle, you know, we're talking about the people who are in Kansas and all that stuff. They're very nice, you know, mm. like in Wisconsin, you know, like a cheesehead. They're very nice. They're they very don't, They don't steal the election. <laughs> <laughs> and so like when you, when you look at the culture between like South Dakota and North Dakota, these individuals are pretty chilled. I mean, but at the same time, they don't live in big cities. I mean, in, in the state of North Dakota, I think it's like only like 700,000 people. Yeah. They're, they're people. more
1: balanced with their persona.
0: Yeah. So it's like everything in, it's in between. And so it's like chaotic. Um, But I think with the East coast at the fact that the weather is a little bit different than people in the West, you know, we have good weather.
4: um,
0: Not lately though, but you know, it's like the, the chaos in the order is what Mm. we're trying to point out. um, Mm. That it's good. It's going to be, it's with the, I guess the resources of information is being spread out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with censor, I think, Isaac, you said it perfectly that one is one side is defending truth and the other one is, you know, want to be censor and kill free speech. Right, right. Democrats. So, like, when you (laughs) when you see that start to happen, I mean, I feel like with us, you know, if you're listening to the conversation, you're like, oh, these people are like fucking radicals not even close we're pretty much the old school liberals that you see you know the, but now it's like i don't even know what's going on is I, I think the the left have went completely fucking insane and mm-hmm. like they don't seem to see it it's like they're devouring themselves
1: yeah it, it, it's exactly that it's that self-devouring principle of, it's their
0: culture their culture yeah. they're eating themselves
1: yeah exactly
2: well, yeah yeah about it is that like we were saying before the reaction is that the right some of the right is starting to devour themselves a little bit too. right both think-
1: extremes are starting to do that or they, yeah. they have been but they're so starting like-
2: to yeah they're the right is yeah. quite as badly and in as great of numbers as the left is mm. doing where they you know it's kind of like there still is like people who are just left and they're like left of center and they're not mm. ridiculous people and they just happen to not like trump because they find him really brash and I have a whole analysis of why there are just normal good people who don't get why Trump can be, you know, very good. They don't see it. You know, there's a whole reason for that. But when you talk about the radicals, like I try to differentiate the radicals, it's like the the left is more just that the radical left has taken over the moderate left. The moderate left doesn't know they're good people. They just don't know. They can't see it. And also it's gone so far that the radicals are devouring themselves. It's just on the right. We don't have it's happening. Yeah, isn't it?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so because at the fact they're devouring Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear the story of Nick Fuentes, if you guys don't know who he is, he's a paleo conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, he started taking over the scene as well. So there's different branches breaking out. So, me, um, I'm a little yep. bit concerned about the third position. Um, that's going to come out. So, too. The third position, me um, too. I started worrying about that yeah. a
2: few years ago, actually. I started to see this trend online. I don't know if you remember, I was posting about it a lot, but I started to critique the right a little bit more because i was saying like uh what are you guys oh just in the kind of conversations i was seeing online because it's like online is an indicator of what is going to be spilling into reality and people i was noticing people on the right were starting to do what people on the left were doing years previous they were just starting to get like too touchy too emotional they were getting too reactive too much like that flat like that oh so what you're saying is
1: you know, we want to kill babies and you, you want to like, like kill old people.
2: All tomatoes are bad and all cucumbers are good. Is that what you're saying? Like <laughs> yeah. starting to talk like that. And I was like, whoa, guys, we can't. We
1: people can't, who eat cucumbers are Hitler. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, and it's like, we can't.
2: Whoa. I was thinking we cannot have both sides acting that way. And then I did actually yeah. see the neo-fascists in Europe. This is a couple of mm. years ago. They started reaching out to the people over here who are like, Centrists or class liberals mm. or they started trying to tap into us and influence us and i saw that happening a few years ago and i was like this is not good and we're starting to see now in 2020 we're seeing more of that kind of come to
0: fruition <clears throat> so uh I, I i shouldn't be talking about this but um mm. a mutual friend of ours that he is all on our profile is brandon hayes so, April, Brandon Hayes, you mentioned to me that he got kicked off of Facebook, by the way. Brandon, Brandon Hayes is um, pretty much in the IDW kind of circle-ish type of, you know, they have their own little uh, thing going on. So, he got removed from Facebook. And so, um, April pretty much provided me a little bit uh, kind of information about him that he was uh, what is that, recruiting fascists, uh, I think is oh, – yeah. wow. So I was like, "What?" So that's that's. There's a lot of that know. going
1: on, though. Right. I don't know. I don't know this Brandon Hayes guy, but I've heard a lot of stories. There is. Of, and I can't believe how underground it is. If it was on the right, it would be reported like emergency, emergency on the news. Yeah, he like, got
0: removed. Yeah, he got removed from Facebook completely.
1: Yeah, but th- that's going on all over the place. Where it it is a, uh, yeah. Boone, on, Boone. on both on both sides, on the fascist side and on the anti fascist side, right? They're both becoming domestic terrorists, and th- nobody knows what to do with it. And but it has has to be a culture shift, and that's why we're right. having these kind of conversations.
2: Boone, you might remember a few times, like over the past year or so, I mentioned to you the propertarians and yep. they're a good example of this. And luckily, they kind of like as a, the propertarians as a group kind of disintegrated halfway through the summer because. Kurt do a little i won't get into you might know why i won't get into the whole story right now but they you know as as a group they're not like cohesive anymore but these are all people who were recruited to that way of thinking that are probably Mm. all out there right now but i was really worried about the proprietarians because this was growing for a couple years and nobody was doing anything about it and yeah normally that would be on the news right? right They were hiding it really well. You only knew if you were basically people like us, like part of the intellectual dark web that you just like discussions, open-minded discussions. And we were kind of running into (laughs) people that were starting out okay and then going in this weird direction. And we're like, whoa, what is this? And the proprietarians were going, like gaining traction for quite a while before their leader who was basically Kurt Doolittle, stupid. And just, they all got disillusioned with, with following him and being part of that kind of collective movement that he had started. But there are people, that's just one example. And there's been a growing number of them in Europe previous to this. So it's like, they already have some traction over in Europe and now they're trying to get like as much alliance as they can
0: over here. Uh, Um, So, yeah, so that's, yeah, now we're like, okay, so... Can could you, could you define a little bit about the proprietarians? I mean, I know that you're not going to like define it on point, but um, to give the audience a little bit, because they're like, proprietarians, is that property? You know, so-
2: Libertarian is a form, it's supposed to be, the, the actual definition of it, it is a form of libertarianism, which is perfectly fine. I'm, try- I'm simplifying right now. It's a perfectly fine type of libertarianism. It kind of got, the term got co-opted. By Kurt mm. Little and people following him, excuse me. What they were doing was kind of posturing as proprietarians and speaking to a lot of those interest points and that type of person who might be a libertarian or a proprietarian, you know, saying you know people you know people should have the freedom for this 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 and this, but they were talking in weird circles. In where you had Brandon Hayes on your page, you might have noticed that sometimes he would talk right. in weird circles, and you'd be like. Well, what is this about? Like, it, people like you and I, it might get our interest. Like, is he talking on some intellectual level or a polyscience thing I don't know about? Like, let me talk to him and see what this is going on. And they basically just had, it, this is how they were becoming almost like a cult, where they would have this like circular language and they were,
0: were speaking in code. And you wow. didn't really know. That's what he was doing to me, too. Yeah. Wow. I have. No idea what he was talking. About. I go, Brandon, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. But you're putting everything in quotations. And it's annoying the shit out of me. <laughs> and, he was like, and he was like, and he and I, we we have conversation here and there. So if you guys don't know, there's Sean Seaberg as well. And there's Leo DeForest that got removed. So Leo DeForest is among the group as well. I'm not saying he's a fascist or anything like that. But he did. He was an interview. He did an interview with his friend um, from Rebel. Uh, Rebel wisdom, so you can see that interview, which I'm going to link down below as well. So there were part of the group that got removed. Mm. So, um, just like April said, he was talking in circles. Um, I'm I'm surprised Isaac that you weren't friends with them because everybody in the circle that we're all in together know who he is because he's that- I'm
1: in my own world
0: <laughs> he was doing that on purpose
2: to recruit as many people as he possibly could and what they would start to do and not just him but like other people like him he was just one of the main recruiters for Kurt Doolittle at least that I knew of there were probably others but what they were doing is like they'd get you interacting with them on their posts and then they would put you into like a side chat where people would just chat and that's where, if you were in that chat long enough, you would start seeing what they were really about. In fact, one of my um, friends who knows quite a lot of history got pulled into one of their chats and came out and said <clears throat> he identified the particular branch of Nazism. Actually, the actual branch, I forget that I can go back and check again, but because you know how within the Nazi party, there were different, some different branches of thought like leading out from it. There was a particular branch of Nazism that the Propertarians were really actually pushing for. And they were trying to like, what they do is they indoctrinate, or they, they, I should say, they kind of recruit people by showing them things a certain way. They try to make, there's like this argument that they make that like, well, you know, if everybody... If every ethnicity just stays in its own nation, if nationality is always defined by ethnicity, then everything will be more clean and neat, and everything will run better again, and all the countries will have a healthy sense of competition with each other, and it will push innovation. And then the countries, each country, will take care of itself and take care of its own people, because you see, of course, the fascism is economically socialized. But everything else about it is very conservative, right? So it's like you have the same ethnicity, a lot of what we consider traditional values where people marry young and have families and it's like for the good of the community, but the government will take care of you. But it's the idea that we're all one people and we're taking care of each other. So they kind of present it like that and they, in a weird way, they do sound, you know, this is coming to like how left-leaning Nazis and the fascists actually are because they do, the more you talk to real Nazis and real fascists, they do sound like Bernie Sanders supporters yeah so so well the- because
1: both extremes they merge to become almost the same thing
2: <laughs> it's like a horseshoe right <laughs> Like they're, they're right. yeah or, or just a yeah. circle
1: where it comes back in at, at the extreme on both sides or so like the bottom of a circle might be the the middle sort of uh moderate people then on the extremes of the circle is not far away but it's it's like the left and right, the three o'clock, uh, nine o'clock positions, but then at the the midnight position is where they're uni- unified. The left and right go up and unify, and then they're basically the same thing. It's like uh, the fascists and the extreme sort of communist and whatever else the or democratic socialist, as Bernie Sanders tries to call himself. You know, they're, they're, everything's just about the same. And the, the the what makes it the same is the elimination of the individual.
2: The elimination it, of the individual, but also it's almost like magical utopian thinking that they both yeah.
1: have. Well, and that's what that's what does it is yeah. is the the and because the individual is a threat to the utopia that they're after. Correct, and, and well,
2: the fascists will directly say that they. I remember right. talking with some of them when they were trying to recruit me, and they sent me writings of how dangerous the individual is and how yep. oh, for the interest of white people, individualism will be the end of white people. Um, that sort of thing. They'll like directly say it. Whereas with,
4: with
2: with the democratic socialists, they are still basically saying it. They're saying like you, you know, it has to be for the good of society and this and that. They basically say it with different words, but both sides had this idea that like, there will be this, they can create this magical world where everybody will do well. And, You know, that was something that I think people don't realize about the fascists is that they said they go, no, like it's because if you talk to a Bernie supporter, right, and they're supporting democratic socialists, a lot of them, they call it being yellow pilled, where they believe that if every government became democratic socialist, the world would be working together, everybody would take care of each other. And some of them are even pushing for that Marxist belief of like. Oh, eventually we'll be-, yeah. we'll be able to do away with currency and we won't have to be like, mm. all about money anymore and that it's going to interlock all the countries in a positive um, way and everyone will be yeah. taking care of each other and then the fascists will tell you well each country will be separate but equal every ethnicity will have
1: its- <laughs> sounds familiar
2: every- <laughs> every ethnicity- separate but equal every ethnicity will have its strengths mm. and weaknesses and like so each country which, which with its own ethnicity will have its own strengths will be able to win their own races and certain things. And then other ethnicities are good at different things. And it's going to make right, everybody, every country will bring up the best of wow. each other and every country will take care of itself. And so it's still kind of this, in a way it's like, even though they want, it
1: makes to- me sick. <laughs> it really does. This is a point where I wish you could see my face, even, even just being by myself here with no camera, like my, it it, it it's ruining my countenance. And, and it, the reason is because this is an example of a thing to hate. So we should not hate people. We should hate horrible ideas mm-hmm. because people are innocent, even, even like whether it's a Bernie or a horrible Antifa or fascist or anything else, they are innocently being destroyed by horrible ideas like this.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think
2: it's going to help everybody. And obviously, these are very hurtful ideas. And, you know, you have to be about, you know, I find, again, where we're trying to be somewhere in the center, being able to sometimes mm. talk to these people and explain to them, you know, try to bring them to the middle if it's possible. You can't do that. You can't control everybody. But if you can exert some of that influence and say, no, I get your points. Like, okay, there's some points there. Like we, we need to make sure people have access to healthcare. And, you know, like, I get what you're, you're trying to solve these problems we're having. Like, mm. again, what we were talking about earlier, we're kind of in a cultural crisis when it comes to a lot of things and, you know, education, healthcare, all that stuff. Like, okay, so you're looking at, you're just going back in old, books and looking at, oh, this is what the fascists were trying to take. They were trying to make sure that every country has its own identity and has, you know, everything taken care of. And it's like, you're, you're like reaching for solutions. It's like, okay, I get why you're reaching for that. And I get what it is you're trying to solve. But this is why it doesn't work. But these are ways we could solve the problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) so to add to the proprietarians a little Mm. bit. So the third position that we're going to be talking about, I'm going to break it down myself in a a solo episode. So, Yeah. So. So what we're saying when we say third position is national communism. So I am gonna. I brought up this Britannica article. It's basically policies based on the principle that each country, that means of attaining ultimate communist goals, must be dictated by a national conditions rather than a pattern set in another country. The term popular from the, ni- the late 1940s to the 1980s was particularly identified with assertion by Eastern European communists regarding independence from Soviet leadership. So it goes on to talk about... Um, Joseph Bronze Tito. So the 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 national communists that I do come across that do consider yourself third position, quote unquote they talk about a uh, titoism um that's pretty much um he broke away from stalin and so basically it's it's the argument that he was making i believe i might i might generalize this incorrectly is that they like april said a uh, country within itself like a national identity then it's going to be much better that way but in kind of not not necessarily marxism and not necessarily capitalism if that makes sense so it's like in pretty much the two morph into each other Yep. Um, they do. Yeah. They play back yeah. and
2: forth. They play back and forth. And I was trying to explain this to <clears throat> a friend of mine who is unfortunately a Bernie supporter. I still love him. He's a very old friend of mine, but he's one of those Bernie supporters that does tiptoe a little far to but like, he doesn't realize how far he's going to the left.
1: Like good people with bad ideas. Yeah.
2: We've had, we've had, and I'm just trying to show him history and, you know, things that, You don't really necessarily get taught in um, the normal curriculums we have growing up. And even if you go to college, unless you major in this stuff, you don't really know what actually happened. He's even going so far as to say, like, well, people who are just, you know, communist in thought, it's not necessarily bad because they really just want things to be fair. And I'm like, you obviously don't understand what communism did. Like, there's a reason why if you try to come to America to become a citizen, you expressly cannot become an American citizen if you are a communist. Like if you obviously you could secretly be a communist, but if you openly state those your beliefs, you cannot become an American citizen. But we have the same rule for anarchists too. If you're if you are an anarchist. Now, obviously if you're already a citizen and then you start espousing those beliefs, we have free her speech here. AOC <laughs> There is that, I mean, well, there is that loophole though. Yeah. we are not just going to take your citizenship away because you're saying now that you support communism, but there's a reason why. Yeah, now you
1: can run for Congress and win easily.
2: Right. Yeah. I, yeah now you can just, yeah. So <laughs> now, now it's right. weird. But but basically, so I'm having this kind of conversation with him and then oh. I'll explain to him exactly what you said, Boone, where the two actually merge. In fact, yep. the fascists that we know of were generally, were originally Marxist or under Marxist influence. So it was birthed this was all birthed by Marxism and over in America they're trying to pit them like they're opposite things like Marxism and fascist when actually they're basically the same thing there there's more overlap <laughs> than there are differences right. really. And so then he like, uh, when I explained all this to him, he was trying to argue it with me. He's like, there's nothing anywhere to indicate that. I'm like, you have to look at real history books and not Google it. And after a minute of this, it's like I explained it to him and he's kind of listening. Then he came back with some video he found online of a Marxist professor trying to say that the reason oh my why, God. the reason why some Marxists became fascists were because of greed. But he made a jump. This professor did not give history to indicate it. He didn't say, oh, you can see here where they made a deal and they got rich off of it. He just made a – supposedly he's a professor. He knows everything about Marxism, right? But he admitted he's never studied why a lot of – This is
1: why I say everything's mythology. It's such a good example. of Somebody just makes their own mythology that's pure – myth but people want to eat it up so like oh yeah, 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 it, yeah. It, hey, bitch, yeah. Oh. he
2: has the status of professor so he's serving it up so it's like he gave a lot of actual true uh. background to that he was like yes there, that is true with marxism and with socialism and fascism you you did see a lot of going back and forth and a lot of overlap he's like but he went to the point of how there were a lot of fascist dictators that were originally marxist and he's like why did they turn from marxism to fascism he's like he goes, he goes, he just filled in the blank. He's like, I don't know. I haven't
3: studied that specifically, but
2: if I could make a guess. It would be because, I
3: make a guess.
2: It would be because they made
3: deal it's all
1: money's fault.
2: They made deal with the businessmen to put them in power. And I'm like, watch the video. I want to say to him, watch the video again. He gave you a lot of facts and then he just made a leap and he filled in the blanks. And yep.
1: It's gone. pure ideological possession.
0: If you guys have to remember that Benito Mussolini was a hardcore socialist or a Marxist and then before he became who he was so a lot of people a lot of these people don't want to admit that um especially like with communists so with communists they're really good at arguments that's all they're good at just fucking arguments they just argue all online everything's it's a cia fault everything's capitalism fault. <laughs> everything's this fault you know what i mean like <clears throat> i was like okay i say like, okay so they kind of morph it not not necessarily to capitalism now now it's trumpism now they're bl- they're blaming everything that's Benjamin. wrong with society, in the United States of America. Now the bad person, the snake, the devil, the demon, mm. um, the it's pretty much Trump right that's it replaces that so it's happening again and so trying to explain this to these people they're not going to listen same thing with the Khmer Rouge every time I bring about the Khmer Rouge oh it's fucking CIA Pol Pot was a CIA agent like okay (laughs) so (laughs) so so, so Pol Pot fucking starved his own people by the way these are very smart Cambodians they were very smart Cambodians and they fucked up instead of admitting say hey it was wrong they bullshit some more mm-hmm. and they're like no Pol Pot is not not a Marxist blah 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 you see this with Noam Chomsky I said this many times before um, they instead of taking responsibility for for what happened they would try to bullshit and I'm not stating that the CIA or the United States of America did not did nothing wrong they fucked up too but the situation with Southeast Asia with the war the Vietnam war that's why you don't see a lot of people talk about it I talk about it and I'm getting a lot of pushback for it and so they don't they don't want to admit their wrongs doing mm-hmm. and that. that's much too in today's society. It's happening again, but it's yeah. always seemed to be the far left that's doing it again and they would never mm. take responsibility for it ever never ever they're, no, they're not you know covered. what that's the
2: problem with intelligent people um, That's oh, you know, yeah. we, put, we put everything on intelligence and intelligence doesn't mean anything if you don't have the right moral compass or the right wisdom or the right life experience and it can actually be very dangerous right. because intelligent people can have all, come into a lot of agency and power or hey look at this look at even if it's not a successful intelligent person think about mm. the worst drug addicts you've known they're probably oh, yeah. very, very smart people on many they're intellectually gifted they probably oh,
1: a lot of them are, yeah.
2: Grades when they were younger. And now that they're in their addiction, they're even smarter because they're more manipulative. They're streetwise. Um, right. They keep their addiction going for like decades, even though they're burning every bridge. And
1: they'll always use their intellect to uh, defend themselves and defend like, no, it's the world that's the problem. Drugs are great. Everybody should just do drugs or, or whatever.
0: Even like with the election. Oh, it's fucking, it's the dominion the, the machines and stuff like that. But we're not going to take responsibility for it because the fact that we're going to hide it.
1: Yeah, and, and, so, well, that's and every new uh, official is going to disappear, and, and <laughs> just just that that doesn't matter. Just listen, listen to CNN, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, just right. plug into CNN because it's, it's, they are going to tell me the mythology that I want.
2: It's the same type of behavior I see when I've gone to. An, I'm not an addict, but I, I'm really not. I do actually have friends and family members who are, and I've gone to twelve step meetings with them in the past, like the open ones that they have. It really is like the same kind of thing. And I think kind of growing up with that was something that started to trigger me. When I saw all of the, you know, people, the leftists getting really weird, I'm like, this reminds me of a drug addict.
1: Yep, (laughs) That's exactly what it is, because it's a possession,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: an Mm -hmm. ideological possession.
2: Mm -hmm. And and we're seeing it on play out socially, like we just talked about with, you know, Black Lives Matters. And now I'm seeing, I'm seeing like educated people that I grew up with using words like privilege now the past six months yep
1: it's like they all it's like they all got the the coke or the tweak now they all got it really Mm -hmm. no it really is like they they all got the the kool-aid or the Mm -hmm. whatever that everybody's addicted to now it's like these ideological possessions and the way that it happens to kind of like tie back to our point on all these like polarizing issues these polarities once you jump on if you're not paying attention It sucks you in like a whirlpool and you get addicted just like a drug. And that's why I say it's not these evil people. Yes, everybody is evil, but also everybody is good. But we get onto these sides of good or evil because we want to go so extreme onto one side. And then if we take a side, just like in anything, then it's like, oh, the other position is bad. The other position is evil. The other position is evil. And then that just causes this uh, rotation that uh, it's always going on unconsciously anyway. And that's why, like, people see all these conspiracies like, oh, CIA and uh, corporate greed and all these things. And, yeah, there, there may be some of that going on, but what's really, really going on <laughs> is these levels of, um, of, of consciousness and these levels of thought that, that are always there and they're just building and it's just a matter of getting on and then we have to pay attention when, when we uh, get on them and the, the whole, then you have to figure out which which ones are you going to get onto because for some of them you have to particularly that of uh, freedom of the individual and freedom of speech because what that does is if you defend freedom especially of thought and speech and the individual then it it keeps the it keeps the drug the ide- ideological possession fragmented so it can't get too powerful
2: right <clears throat> right
1: so what do you yep. think dude? you're the one who lives in meth town so you can tell <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> you know like with with icy i never dealt with addiction per mm. se i mean okay i lied now that i think about it now that i'm I'm breaking to my uh daddy issues my dad was a alcoholic same with my brother brother and so there what i noticed about my dad was the fact that he was trying to con- T- trying to hide his you know his post-traumatic uh, stress disorder from the war and so he drank a lot um he got a little bit better it's, it's not it's not he never went to therapy he never went to a 12-step program or anything like that but my father was a very manipulative man so pretty much he was good at arguments just like a typical marxist he was good at <laughs> arguments he was good at not taking responsibility. Okay. I remember one time um, we, you know, like every month, um, if you guys in the audience, if you guys are rich, um, welfare, you guys get money every month. And I remember my dad taking that money and buying himself stuff. And then when my mom confronted him and she said that instead of, you know, um, spending that money that we get from, from the government every month, you spend it on a big screen TV instead of spending, you know, your money on your children. And my dad would make the argument and my dad will like kind of like bullshit his way out of it. And so,
1: typical c- alcoholic marxist
0: Yes, <laughs> yep. and so you, you start to see this and you start to see this behavior um happening with the modern day left and, li- and like i said we're not when if you are you consider yourself a lefty we need you in the political yeah. discourse but we need you to call it out instead of being a coward and hiding away and say you know black lives matter black lives matter is on my side but at the same time what we talked about um uh, april's friend earlier her, her kids got was was in a crossfire you see these people committing crime you see these people committing writing and looting but at the same time you're not going to take responsibility you you bullshit your way and yet you want the right to be held accountable for everything if a christian um just like new zealand you know the shooting in a a mosque uh, whatever and the right came out right away they came in like you know we don't condone this at all but then when the writing and looting happened, and then we, people are getting killed. Where's the Where's the left? They're not calling out the bullshit. You know, when Andy No got his ass beat, only Andrew Yang called it out. Everybody yeah. else is just like, "Oh, we're not going to say anything." It's like, I think this this is going to be a time, or going to be like the next four years. You're going to see like the left is starting to. It's, they're not eating yourself per se, but they they're the the light is starting to pretty much be on them again. Right. And so I, I don't necessarily want the love to be gone because we need that. We need the, we need the yin. And then when I say yin, I mean like the chaos, you know what I mean? It needs to have, we need a little bit of chaos within us, all of us. We can't be nice all the way. We're just going to be like, you know, optimistic and gross, you know, it's <laughs> like we need, yeah. we need that dark side within all of us. So, you know. That's pretty much the self, the complete self of who you are. And um, not only do we need to basically be the change you want the world to be, like if you want to be happy and compassionate, don't go out and start beating the shit out of Max. <laughs> <orders. laughs> you know what I mean? Is that or, your way of showing Antifa. compassion? <laughs> or Antifa. Or Antifa. Don't be like, you know, fuck capitalism. And then you go and fucking buy an iPhone. Oh, slavery sucks. But then you go and you, know, you can't you have to remember that being contradictory is it's cool. You know, I mean, when, when I'm talking about the universe, universal sense, when I'm talking about the universe, contradiction needs to happen right. at the same time, when it comes to the self and the value of your belief system that within your individual self is a little bit different. You can't, you can't want change and you're not going to be the change you don't be, don't tell people how to act when you don't act like, like, like you go and say to like the proud boys and say, oh, the proud boys are violence. And then you go and break somebody's fucking leg. You know, you can't yeah. do that. It just doesn't <laughs> work. The world doesn't work that way. You know, what I mean, like, I well, hate to and you house. have to
1: find values over sides. But OK, what do you hate? Right.
0: To say? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't you can't like I, I see these leftists, my friends, you know, I'm reading their comment, talking about the Boy being white supremacist and stuff like that. I'm like, what reality do you live in? I'm tired of the fucking gaslighting. I think that's where mm-hmm. my anger comes in. I hate liars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, living with a Marxist all my life. I hate liars I don't like bullshit I, I like everything direct and truthful and this is why I come off as a masshole sometimes <laughs> but um but it's just like I just I just don't like that and so but at the same time I I get it you know what I mean I can't ge- I get angry with yeah. people on the left because I know that they they deep deep down they're speaking from their heart but um sometimes the heart can you know Pull you away, so you need your little brain to come in. That's where your your brain and your heart is like the the pretty much the the yin and yang complex. That's what it is, you know, to help you out
1: to in this. Well, and you moment. don't want it to get sucked into other things because, uh, like Marxism and all these other things, fascism, anti-fascism, they have good ideas, but then they latch onto the these these polarities and that's why you know that was sort of the uh the theme is these these polarities is these polarities suck in and then they possess whereas if you find the values that are between it all then you don't get in the, into this possession and you can get free from it and you know make up your own mind and hope and and be a good part of the culture instead of just like uh sh- you know just increasing these polarities which is how it's going to go until there's a until there's a snap and that's what we're going through
0: all right guys so i hope you guys enjoyed this conversation april you want to add something before we sign off yeah you know this has been a
2: great talk and um yeah this this is kind of along the line of what I've been thinking the past couple of years. We definitely have to keep the left and the right and we have to keep all schools of thinking open. It's just extremes are bad.
0: <laughs> There's such yeah. thing as stupid ass ideas, by the way, guys. don't let yeah. the public education lie to you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm going to end yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to end this podcast episode with a Carl Jung quote, and he said, "The Union of opposites. On a higher level of consciousness is not a rational thing, nor is it a matter of will. It is a process of the psychic development that expresses itself in symbols. So, Mm. guys, the world is all symbols and mythologies that (laughs) us human beings are trying to understand. Okay. Mm. We're doing our best, you know, (laughs) the best to understand. I mean, us three, we're not... You know, psychologists or anything like that. We're just trying to understand why people are just beating the crap out of each other in the streets. Okay, we're not used to seeing this because this is just American soil. It's not. Yep. Um, it's not. Uh, it's it's just weird, um, and so we're trying to understand the best as, as we can. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. So as always, guys, stay far out.